Well, folks, things in the Republican Civil War are heating up, of course, in the House of Representatives. And leading the charge against her fellow Republicans is none other than Marjorie Taylor Greene. This week, Marjorie Taylor Greene, of course, was trying to censure Democratic Representative Rashida Tlaib over alleged anti-Israel statements that Tlaib made, and Greene's resolution to censure Tlaib failed. After that failure, Marjorie Taylor Greene decided to go scorched earth against anyone and everyone, including some of the people who actually voted for her resolution. She still attacked them. One of those people was of course, Lauren Boebert. Lauren Boebert did vote for the resolution. Nevertheless, Marjorie Taylor Greene got on Twitter, cause I'm not going to call it X and referred to her in an attack as vaping, groping Lauren Boebert. Vaping, groping Lauren Boebert. Now we all know what she is referring to, but in case you just recently came out of a coma, uh, Lauren Boebert of course was busted back in September, vaping during a performance of Beetlejuice the musical, but the real kind of nail in the coffin there was when Bobert reached over into her dates, uh, where typically, you know, anyway, uh, so, so Marjorie Taylor Greene decided, you know what? Screw her. I'm going to go after her. Why? Like why though? Don't get me wrong. I love the attack. In fact, I think you could have, you know, sharpened it up a little bit and you could have said, you know, vaping Lauren Gropert instead of groping Lauren Bobert, you know, just, just switch Bobert for Gropert. I, I think you got something real there, but she voted with you. She, she was with you on the, like, she was your friend in this particular instance. I know you guys don't like each other. You've been fighting all year, but you, you, you didn't have to do that. We appreciate it. Trust me, we do, but it was 100% unnecessary. She then attacked Republican representative Chip Roy, um, and referred to him as Colonel Sanders. Nobody quite knows why. I mean, Chip Roy doesn't look like Colonel Sanders. Um, so that was weird. And when Chip Roy got on social media, Twitter again, to kind of explain his position, addressing Marjorie Taylor Greene, he wasn't rude. He wasn't disrespectful. He's just like, listen, here's why I did it. She fired back as the daily beast points out, keeping it classy as always and said, Oh, shut up. Colonel Sanders. You're not even from Texas. More like the DMV chip Roy's career exists of working for politicians, working for campaigns for politicians and being a politician himself unity party all the way, which is why you will never hold anyone accountable. Like I don't, I, I mean, okay. The Colonel Sanders thing, I get the insult, but I don't get why you're using it against him. And then like, what do you know? Your whole career has been politics. Okay. Your prior career was running a CrossFit gym. What, what, what does that have to do with the price of eggs at the market? Right. Yet here you are leveling these attacks against your people, the same people who next time you want to put forward a resolution or hell, maybe believe it or not, a piece of legislation, you're going to need them. And you're alienating them because you don't know how to act like a grown up. 
You're a whiny, petulant little child, just like your idol, Donald Trump. And when you don't get your way, you lash out at anyone and everyone forgetting that you need them eventually. Nobody in Congress can go it alone. If they could, we would have a green new deal. We would have Medicare for all. We would have debt-free college. No, you have to have allies. You have to have friends. You have to make nice with people. And that's a lesson that Marjorie Taylor Greene should have learned in preschool. But here she is, a middle-aged woman who still can't quite grasp that concept. Donald Trump Jr. testified, of course, for several days this past week in the New York fraud trial and his entire testimony, right? His defense of everything that happened pretty much centered around the fact that, hey, I'm just a big fat idiot, right? And I I really wish I was exaggerating that, but I'm not. As I'd already talked about, you know, his initial first day of testimony Donald Trump Jr. gets up there and just says, Hey, listen, I wasn't looking at the financial statements. I got CPAs for that, right? Yeah. I'm more of a design guy. He said, I'm more of a construction guy. He said, I'm not, I'm not looking at numbers. Uh, numbers are scary. You know, I just, you know, let other people do that. But then the next day prosecutors were asking him like, Hey, okay, you don't look at numbers, but we got your signature on these pages with these numbers. So you had to have seen these numbers because your signature's right here below them. What's up with that, bud? And Don Jr. played it off. Didn't act concerned. He's like, oh, I signed anything they put in front of me. I would sign any paper that they put in front of me. He added, I'm sure I've signed dozens of these in my time as trustee. Uh-oh. You've, you've signed dozens of fraudulent documents to banks. Listen, man, if this were a criminal trial, there is a slim chance that that kind of defense might get you off the hook, right? You can play stupid in a criminal trial and the stupidity defense actually works a lot more often than you'd think it would, right? Like, Hey, listen, I know we did bad things, but I actually wasn't even aware of it. I'm just kind of dumb. I'm just signing my name on things. I'll write it on this napkin right here. I signed my name. It can get you off. Not in a civil trial. Because in a civil trial, you're not trying to put somebody behind bars. You're not necessarily trying to even prove that they were fully aware of what they were doing. All you're trying to prove is that the bad thing happened. And this was the guy in charge when the bad thing happened. And Donald Trump Jr. admitting that, yeah, I was just signing whatever. In a civil trial, that's going to doom you. But more importantly, it's going to doom the entire Trump organization. Because let's not forget what's at stake here, right? Essentially, the corporate death penalty. If Ingeron chooses to do so, he could dissolve the Trump organization that business that Donald Trump has spent his life building will crumble in the, into dust. That's it. It's gone forever until he you know, goes to a different state and reincorporates. But in New York, they won't be allowed to do business. So you're fighting for the life of your company and you're admitting to the judge, the one man who holds your fate in his hand, you're admitting to him, 
yeah, we basically weren't paying attention when we were running this company. We were doing whatever. If people were committing fraud, who cares? I was signing my name on it. We're good. <sighs> Show me a judge anywhere in this country that's going to listen to testimony like that and not immediately think, okay, this company needs to just go away forever. It's being run by a bunch of morons. I mean, essentially with Eric and Don Jr., you got Beavis and Butthead running the show. Why would I, as the judge with the authority to dissolve this company, why would I let it continue to exist? You're sitting here admitting you weren't doing it right and you didn't care and you didn't bother to double check anything. To me, that sounds like the kind of company that shouldn't exist anymore. So good job with your testimony there, Don Jr. You may have prevented yourself from being criminally charged later on with your testimony, but you probably killed the entire company by admitting that you're a complete and total moron. According to a new report this week from John Carl writing in The Atlantic, when Judge Tanya Chutkin set her trial date for late March 2024, so this coming March, Donald Trump was so irate that he took his lawyer, Todd Blanche, and screamed profanities at him for half an hour. Like 30 minutes just screaming profanities and blaming the lawyer for the trial date that the judge had set. Now let's not forget, of course, that, uh, Jack Smith, the special prosecutor had requested a January 2nd trial start date. Donald Trump's lawyer said, Hey, what if we did it in 2025? Actually, they may have said 2026. I can't remember. Uh, but anyway, they're like, yeah, totally not happening next year. And judge Tanya Chutkin was like, eh, let's meet in the middle. You want it in two months. You want it two years from now. How about we do it in March? I loved him. It was a great decision, but Trump was so pissed about it that according to the people close to Donald Trump, who spoke to John Carl with the Atlantic, Trump then screamed at Todd Blanche for about a half an hour saying things like, quote, that's in the middle of the primaries. If I lose the presidency, you are going to be the reason. He also said, you little effer, you are going to cost me the presidency. Maybe, but maybe not. You know, Raw Story actually pointed out the fact that Donald Trump's support within the Republican party has shockingly actually gone up every time he's been indicted. So if he is convicted based on the fact that he gets more popular with Republicans, every time he's indicted, we would kind of have to assume that if he's convicted, his support with Republicans is going to like go through the roof, right? The problem is not the Republicans, right? Donald Trump's got that nomination on lockdown. And I do think that if he's convicted, his support among Republicans is going to go through the roof. The problem is with not Republicans. There's in every election, there's crossover voters, right? You have hardcore Republicans that for some reason, this election, like I'm going to vote for a Democrat. Every election you have hardcore Democrats that say, eh, I'm going to vote for the Republican. If you have a candidate, if you got a guy at the top of your party that is convicted of serious felony charges, the number of those crossover voters that you're used to, you know, maybe three, 4%, 
that's not going to materialize. But more importantly, your support among the independents, the non-party affiliated voters, that's going to plummet. That's what's going to hurt Donald Trump the most. He knows that it's not going to hurt anything with the primaries, but those independent voters, those crossover voters from the other side too, they're not going to materialize for Donald Trump. And if you do not have that, especially of course, the independent voters, the no party affiliation, you know, the disaffected voters, if you can't get those people, you can't win an election, whether you're a Democrat or Republican and having a felony conviction under your belt, possibly by the time next year's general election rolls around, possibly two felony convictions, maybe three felony convictions. That's not going to help you. Okay. You, you're not going to succeed in a general election with those kinds of things hovering over you. The independents are not going to support that. Most of them will go to the democratic nominee, possibly a third party nominee, but you're not going to get them. So you're not going to win. And that is what freaks Trump out. That's why he doesn't want any of his trials to start before the election because he knows deep down that that is political kryptonite. And that is why he was so pissed off at his lawyer for doing such a piss poor job of trying to push that trial date back by a couple years. Thanks for listening to today's Fair and Balanced Daily. Stay up to date with all of our content by finding us on YouTube at youtube.com slash fairandbalanced and follow me on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at fairandbalanced. Balanced.